0: Hey, Adam Smolkom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. All right, this morning, I'm gonna share with you about the last days. How many of you believe we're living in the last days? Let me see a show of hands. If you don't, you, 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 you're like Jesus. You, if you can't, you can't tell when a storm's coming, we are in the season of his second coming, amen? And you know, what's amazing is the disciples asked him, he said, what, what are going to be some of the things that happen right before you return, Jesus? And he started listing them in Matthew chapter 24. And the one that I really want to focus in on this morning begins in verse 10. And Jesus makes a statement. He said, and then many. Now, everybody say many. many. The, many the word many there is literally the word majority. So we're talking over 50%. Then many will be offended. Everybody shout offended. Many. We'll betray one another and will hate one another. Now, this is a progression. An offended person will eventually betray, and if a betrayal is not dealt with, it will ultimately lead to hatred. You say, John, how do you know this? Well, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says this, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Now, in the days of Solomon who wrote the book of Proverbs, what did strong cities have around them, guys? Come on, talk to me. Walls, what were walls built for? Protection, they would keep out those people you believed were against you, right? And allow in the people you believed were for you. This is exactly what a person does when they're hurt. They begin to build walls. Now, these walls are not physical walls, they're in the mind, okay? They're called strongholds in the New Testament. Paul makes this statement Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. We're not in a playground, we're a battleground. Oh, you got it? Everybody needs to remember that. You got that Milan, Italy and Roma? Okay. I was, my, my grandparents are, or my grandparents are from Napoli. All right. So I am just saying hello to all my friends in, in Italy. I love Italy. Anyway, uh, back to the message. So Paul says for the weapons of our warfare, are not, they're not fleshly. They're mighty in God deploying down a strongholds. And then he tells what the strongholds are casting down every imagination. Now a better word for that would be reasoning. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So walls are literally thought processes or reasonings that we develop deep within our soul that protect us. They're thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. Now, God's word is always rooted in his nature. And how many of you know God's nature is love? He doesn't have love. He is love. So love always seeks to give, to give, to give. If you've been hurt, you begin to develop thought processes of I'm going to protect, protect, protect. That makes you a candidate for betrayal. Why is that? Most people don't understand what betrayal is. A betrayal is when I seek my benefit or my protection at the expense of one I have a relationship with. Are you with me? So if I'm seeking to protect, if push comes to shove, what am I going to do? I'm gonna protect myself. And a betrayal is the ultimate abandonment of a relationship and if it's not dealt with, it can ultimately lead to hatred. Now, a lot of people in the body of Christ don't know what hatred is. They, 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 they identify it as being really angry, right? You can, be, you can hate somebody and have no anger at all. Absalom hated Ammon, he neither spoke good or evil to him. The definition of hatred, the Greek word is loveless it means it's a complete vacuum with no love in it. So it doesn't, it's not attached to emotion. Ooh, it's getting quiet in this Methodist church. Are you still here? I just want to make sure. Okay, right? So the Bible says you hate your brother, you're a murderer, and don't even think you have eternal life in you. You don't. So the very next verse, Jesus says, you're going to have massive offense that's going to lead to betrayals, that are going to even lead to hatred. And then he said, then... Many false prophets are going to rise up and deceive many. Who are the many they're going to deceive? The many that are offended. Which tells me that an offense is a breeding ground for deception. Now, there's only one problem with deception, and that's this. It's deceiving. The person who's deceived believes with all their heart they're right, when in reality they're wrong. That's scary, right? Right. Now, what's interesting is false prophets are called wolves in sheep's clothing. Notice they are not called wolves in shepherd's clothing. Everybody's always looking for the wolf behind the pulpit. I got news for you. In 35 years of traveling all over the world, I found a whole lot lot more wolves in the pews than I have the pulpit. Okay, so let's move on from there. So then Jesus tells us from there, He says "He says this, oh, I could really go into that one. You know, wolves travel in packs, you do know that. But anyway, let's just, and and do you know what the goal of the wolf pack is? To isolate the sheep from the herd. If he can isolate the sheep from the herd, the sheep is meat for its table. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse one, the man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. He's made himself or herself a what? A target for the wolves. Wow, I'm telling you right now, this, okay, okay. So then Jesus says this, what's the next verse? The, I, got, I got to get, what's the next one? He says, and because, yeah, we got it, okay. And he says, and because lawlessness will abound. Now, what's the word lawlessness? That's, that's not a word we use today in the streets, okay? The word lawlessness is the Greek word anomia, which simply means this, you're a law unto yourself. It means you're not submitted to the authority of God, okay? So when we develop thought processes that are contrary to the word of God, what are we doing? Develop lawless thinking, And because lawlessness will abound, why is lawlessness abounding? Because many are offended. The love of many will grow cold. Now, how many of you believe that lawlessness abounds in our society? Okay, but here's the scary thing. Jesus isn't talking about society. He's talking about the church. How do I know that? How do I know that? Two reasons. Number one, the word love that he uses there is agape. When he says the love of many will grow cold, he's talking about the love of God. See, there, 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 there are a few Greek words for love in the New Testament. Phileo is affectionate love. The world has that, we have that. Eros is sexual love. The world has that, we have that. Agape is the love of God that Jesus said the world cannot receive. He doesn't use the word phileo, he uses the word agape. So what Jesus is saying is there's gonna be massive offense in the church, it's gonna even develop into hate, uh, uh, betrayals and hatred Deception's going to run rampant. And because of all this lawless thinking from the betrayals, from what people are developing, the love of God in people's hearts is going to grow cold. And how else do I know he's talking to Christians? Because the next verse, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. You don't say to a sinner, if you endure the race, you're going to be saved. You say it to a believer. Because the sinner hasn't started the race. Now, the person who can hurt you the deepest is the person who is closest to you. David said, it wasn't an enemy that reproached me. I could have handled that. But it was you, my brother, my equal, my companion. We went into the house of God together. You're the one that has done this to me. Why is the the person that can hurt you the deepest, the person that's closest to you? Because our expectations are higher. Okay, you know, I've heard people say to me before, I've heard this so many times. You know, the world treats me better than most Christians. Now, why is that? Their expectation level on the world is zero their expectation, the level on Christians is here, their expectation on their pastor is here, and their expectation on their spouse is here. So if the world does this much for you, they've been that much of a blessing. They've exceeded your expectation. But if a Christian does that much for you, they've offended you by that much. And if your husband does that, oh my goodness, now we're getting into the, uh, to the stratosphere. Are you still with me? Now, somebody, some of you might be sitting there thinking, Yeah, but you don't know what was done to me. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, you don't know what was done to me? Let me see a show of hands. Let me see a show of hands. Okay. No, you don't know what you did to Jesus. A person who cannot forgive is a person that's forgotten what they've been forgiven of. Write that down. A person who cannot forgive is a person that has either never realized or forgotten what they've been forgiven of. Okay, you have to remember, you know, let, let's just go, Peter, a few chapters earlier, earlier in Matthew 18 says, hey Jesus, you know, these guys live under the law, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, right? You punch me, I get to punch you back and do it legally, right? So Peter goes, you know, Jesus is talking about forgiveness a lot. And Peter goes, hey, Jesus, you know, he, he, he wants to be the big man, right? He's already two notches up on everybody. He's walked down the water, you're the Christ. He went to the mountain of transfiguration. Hey, he's, yeah, he, he's, like, he's, he's gonna go up another level. He thinks as big as he can. He goes, Jesus, my brother sins against me seven times in one day, that's enough. All right, seven times, that's enough, right? And I forgive him. And Jesus goes, uh-uh, uh-uh. Not seven times, 70 times seven. That's 490. And in Luke's gospel, he said in one day. Now for you to sin against me 490 times in one day means you'd have to do it once every three minutes provided you and I don't go to sleep. <laughs> I don't know anybody that can sin that good. (laughs) So you know what Jesus is saying? Your forgiveness is to be inexhaustible like your heavenly father's. Then he tells that parable about that king that forgives a debt of $10 billion, right? That's what it was. And this guy gets completely forgiven and he goes out and finds a fellow servant who owes him $30,000 and he throws him into prison prison until he pays the debt. So what Jesus is communicating, the very worst thing we can do to one another is like compared to what we did to God is like comparing a $30,000 debt to a $10 billion debt. Right. Right. Come on. This is what I've learned. Most people in church, they categorize sin. Yes. <laughs> See, we got the big ones, right? Adultery, murder, right? right yeah. Then we got weaknesses. <laughs> I guess you don't. <laughs> Gossip, unforgiveness, so strife. So you know what God says? These th- six things I hate and the seventh is an abomination. Do you know that adultery is not in that list? Right. Wow. I am not condoning adultery, never, okay? I wouldn't be alive if I did that. My wife would take me out. She's a sharpshooter, okay? But, and then God would have to deal with me about that, right? No, I'm, just, I'm having fun. But, but what's, what's amazing to me Adultery's not on the list, but what's on the list is those who sow discord among brothers. Gossip. Treat gossip the, the way you treat murder, you'll probably get f- delivered. Treat unforgiveness the way you treat adultery, you'll probably get free. The problem is you see it as a weakness. See, let me make this really clear. Every one of us, do you know what we deserved for what we did to God? This is what we deserved to burn in a lake of fire forever. Okay, I want you to really stop and think about that. I don't care what was done to you, was it equivalent to burning in a sulfuric lake of fire where worms will eat you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and it'll never end, forever and ever. But yet that's what we deserve for what we did against God. See, when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, He was releasing us before we ever asked for forgiveness. That's why I said a person who cannot forgive is a person that doesn't realize what they've been forgiven of. So this is not a bunch of theory, okay, for me. Uh, Before I got saved, I was raised in a good family and it was easy for me to forgive. After I got saved, I found it very easy to forgive because the love of God is in my heart, right? But there was a man who was like a father to me He was really close and he he was in a fatherly position and he did some things over a course of a year that were devastating and it climaxed with some really tough things and I remember when this happened it was so obvious people saw it because it was done publicly. People were coming to me, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Are you going to go to him? (laughs) going on with the call of God in my life. Okay, problem. Here's the problem. I was too proud to admit that I was offended. I saw being offended as a sign of weakness and I'm too strong to say I'm weak. Okay, so it's pride. So this is what's going on in my life. This is scary, really scary. You know the frog in the kettle syndrome? It's the reverse. The love of God started getting cooler and cooler and cooler and cooler. Okay, Ministry started becoming more of an occupation for me, not a passion. And this is what's really scary, people are still getting ministered to, the anointing is still on me, but yet I'm getting drier and drier. I remember one day, Lisa and I are driving in the car, there's a worship CD on and she's in tears and I got the stone cold look on my face because I'm completely dry. And she looks at me and she says, John, are you okay? I said, no, 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 I'm meditating, you worship, I'm meditating right now. (laughs) I mean, it's just, I'm so full of pride, right? So one day, and months have gone by, And I'm so, I'm so dry. Okay, feelingless. Does that make sense? I walked out to my backyard and I said, God, am I offended? And I heard this on the inside of me. Yes! Okay, now I'm not kidding. It is the loudest I have ever heard the voice of God to this day. And I remember I just dropped my hands and I said, God, I don't know what to do. Father, I just don't know what to do. I have fasted, I've prayed, I've forgiven the guy by faith. I don't know what to do. And so I really started seeking and fasting. And I remember at, I'm at a service and the guy's doing the service and I'm at the very back. And three quarters of the way through, the wells broke open. I'm not much of a crier, but man, I'm crying. I'm crying like crazy. And I, and I remember whispering under my breath, I forgive you, I release you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And I was like, oh, thank God. So I, I, I go out to the parking lot. I'm, I'm like, it's over forgiven him. That night at dinner, I said, I start telling Lisa, I can't believe that he's done this to that person and he did this to me and he did that to me. Then I go to bed thinking about it. Then I wake up thinking about it. Then I take a shower thinking about it and then I got scared. I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just cried and forgave him yesterday. Why am I still so tormented? Well, there was, there was a principle that I didn't understand. I need somebody who goes to the gym regularly. Okay, come on, don't be bashful, get up here right now. Come here, come here, I thought it would be you. I thought, all right, what's your name? Willie. Willie, will you face me? Now, I can walk up to Willie and do this, watch. <laughs> Did you like that? No. Oh, thanks for being honest. No, he didn't like it, but you're still okay, right? But now watch, I can do this. <laughs> okay. What, 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 what's going to happen if I do that to Willie? As big as he is, strong as he is, I'm going I'm to injure him. I'm going to wound him. There's some offenses that hit us. When they hit us, we don't like it, but when it's over, it's like water off a duck's back, we're fine. But there are other offenses that hit us that wound us. And listen to me, wounds don't heal overnight. And if not properly treated, they never heal. They kill us. Are we still friends, I hope? Yes. Okay, good. Thanks, buddy. All right, so um, I'm on this trip, right? I'm in Hawaii suffering for Jesus. Yes. And I'm doing a conference, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm doing a conference, right? And, and, and I heard about this place called Anama Bay and I wanted to take a picture of it. So they had this stone wall and it was uneven. This is way back in my thirties. And I put my foot up on the wall. It's a little crooked. And when I, when I push down, I hear this in my knee. And I went, ah, right? and I'm an athlete, I'm, I'm raised as a tennis player, I play varsity tennis at Purdue, I'm enough to know that I've just done something to my knee. right? So I jump off the wall, Lisa and the pastor are laughing at me, the associate pastor, but then when they see I can't walk, they help me back. Well, the next six weeks, I'm in, I'm in crutches, I'm in, uh, uh, I'm in uh, what do you call them? All that, all this stuff, you know, right? And, and it was really ridiculous because we flew from there to Indonesia and my wife and kids got off the plane with all the luggage and here comes the man of God in the wheelchair. So, <laughs> So, 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 yeah, right, with a healing ministry. So, it was really ridiculous. But in Hawaii, before we went to Indonesia, this guy starts working on my knee. And he wasn't saved. He owned a gym, and he was a physical therapist. And he's got me on the mat, and he's making my knee hurt. And he said, hey, and he's kind of cocky. He goes, do you want to know why you injured your knee? You know, most people that climbed that wall wouldn't have injured their knee, but you did. And I'm like, what? I'm like, all right, why, why did I injure it and most people wouldn't? He said, because you're out of shape, you don't exercise. Now you wanna know why I picked this brother? Because he's in shape. And you know I really hit him. I re- yeah, I did, I did. And, and you wanna know why? Because I knew he could take it. But if I would've hit any of you as hard as I hit him, you would've been injured. See, then I started thinking, you're getting it now, aren't you? So, 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 so there are some people like my WWF wrestling neighbor. Okay. (laughs) Like we used to play basketball and I'd go driving into him and he would, you know, just stand there and I'd go flying back five feet. (laughs) Okay. The Bible says great peace of them that love your word and nothing can offend them. There are people like this guy in the spirit, no matter what you throw at him, you can't offend them. And I started thinking, ooh, there, there are people, they're not in the word, they're not praying, and so they're easily offended. They're easily wounded. So I fly over to Indonesia, another physical therapist is working on me. He says, Mr. Bevere, you wanna know how to get your knee healed? I said, yes, yes. How do I get my knee healed? He said, physical therapy. He said, exercise, everyday exercise. Now I'm gonna show you a really interesting statement. You ready for this? Paul makes a statement in Acts 24:16. He says, and herein do I, look at this, Exercise. Wow. Oh my goodness. Herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. Oh. Exercise. Wow. Wow. Are, are you kidding this? So, so I'm thinking, you know, the guy says, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. When these athletes get injured, okay, yep. Yep. let's say they blow out a knee. How, how do they get healed? Right. they got to do physical therapy, which is focused exercise, right? Yep. So the Holy Spirit spoke to me when that guy in Indonesia said that. Yep. And he said, that's what you need to do. You need to exercise. I said, God, how do I exercise? And the Holy Spirit said, read Matthew five. So I'm reading through Matthew five. I get to the 44th verse, I think it is. And look what I find. Jesus says, pray for anyone who mistreats you. Now, do you know what's amazing? Jesus never once says in the Bible, pray for your mother. John, do you pray for your mother? You better believe it. Right. He, doesn't pray, he doesn't say pray for your children, except for about the green wood and all that stuff. The person he tells you to pray for is the person who mistreats you. Wow. And in another version, because that's a stronger word in the Greek, another version, it says those who abuse you. Yeah, that's right. So I'm like, that's what I got to do to exercise? So I get it from the table and I go, Father, bless him. Next day. Oh, by the way, Lord, bless that guy. Next day, if you can, bless him. Now, that, you know what that's like, Marley? You know what that's like? That's like your husband doing leg curls with a penny, okay? I'm not gonna get any better, okay? So after five weeks, I got no better, I got worse. I'm in prayer, I'm on, a, I'm on another fast, I'm on a three-day fast. And the Holy Spirit speaks and says, read Psalm 35. So I'm all excited, I get to Psalm 35, I read verses one through 10, it makes not a lick of sense. <laughs> you ever have that happen? It's like crazy, right? But then I get to 11, evil people pay me back evil for good. I said, oh, that's me. I did him good, he paid me back evil. So I'm thinking the next verse, David's gonna say like bust their jaw, break their <laughs> teeth, right? Look what he says, he says, but when they, the people who did me evil, when I did them good, when they were sick, I dressed in mourning, I deprived myself of food, I prayed with my head bowed low, as I would pray for a friend or a brother. And And the Holy Spirit said to me, you pray for him, what you want me to do in your life or your family. So now, so now I get up from the table and I start praying everything for him that I want. Okay? Here's my prayer. Father, I pray that he would know you the best a man can know you. I pray that he would walk with you as closely as a man can walk with you. I pray that he would please you the best a man can please you, that he would love you as deeply, that you would surround his wife and children with angels, that you would surround him with wise counsel, that you bring finances from unexpected quarters for his ministry. Was that easy to pray? No. You ever hear somebody say, pray what feels right? No. (laughs) Do you think a football player's going, oh, this feels great. I have been in physical therapy as an athlete. I wanted to hit the therapist. Okay, but she was a woman, so I couldn't. Gosh. Okay, So, so it's you pray truth. You don't pray what feels good. So. I am praying for him every day. And it's taking every ounce of energy in my soul to pray these things for him after what he's done to me. But after several weeks, I start getting a spark in my voice and it starts getting easier. What's happening? I'm getting healed. Are you seeing this? Yeah. And I remember, man, now I'm actually can't wait to pray for the guy after weeks go by. And I remember at one point, I was out in a construction site. No, I was actually in a school playground and there was nobody there that morning. And I was praying really, really loud, right? And I'm really, really deep in prayer. And I, I screamed the guy's name out. I said, so-and-so, I love you! And when I said, I love you, it was like junk came out of me. I'm not kidding. It was weird. Nothing physically, but it was like it came out. And I thought, whoa, I'm healed. I I was so excited. I came home, I told Lisa, right? I was so excited. I see the guy a couple weeks later, another little on the inside. I thought, now what? (laughs) So, my wife, who is so prophetic, it's ridiculous. I mean, between Lisa and the Holy Spirit, I can't get away with anything. And I actually like it, okay? So, so Lisa sits me down on the couch. She goes, honey, I said, yeah. She said, you need to go to him. I said, oh, I jumped off the couch. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm healed, I'm fine, everything's good. No, no, everything. She goes, okay. So I go out and pray, I said, God, do I need to go to him? And God goes, yes. Now, you know when Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go to him. You know how most people take that scripture? I just want you to know you did this and this and this and this, but I forgive you. They're using that scripture as a license to go vomit all over you and tell you how badly you treated me. Right. That's not what Jesus had in mind. Why does Jesus tell you to go to your brother or your sister for the purpose of reconciliation? There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And most people don't get it. See, look at the cross. You'll get it. When did Jesus forgive us? When he hung on the cross, when he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He wasn't speaking to the soldiers and the Sanhedrin, he was speaking to the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, right down to you and me, because we put him on that cross. So he forgave us before we ever said, I'm sorry. Do you know how many believers have come up to me and said, I'll forgive them when they apologize. What if Jesus would have waited to forgive you before, until you apologized, it never would have happened. But now, when were we reconciled back to God? When we repented and said, "I'm sorry, you were right, I was wrong. Please forgive me." What led us to repentance? The goodness and kindness of God. Wow. So what Jesus is saying is, go to your brother and create an atmosphere of goodness that's going to want to make him say, "I'm sorry." When you go, you need me, 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 give me. You know what they go? Excuse me. So this is what I did. Okay, I bought him a gift, a really nice gift. And, and, and believe me, this is my wife's suggestion and it was a good one. I mean, I mean, a, a gift I would like to have, do you understand? Okay, that's a gift, not somebody, something somebody gives you and you give it to somebody else. <laughs> no, no, that's not a gift. Okay, so I mean, I buy this gift and, 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 and I bring it to his office and he opens it. and he, I'll never forget it. His eyes were like, he's just looking at me he, and his mouth's open. He's like, and, 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 and so I jumped on it. I'm creating an atmosphere of goodness, right? I said, hey, I really owe you an apology. He goes, what? I said, I really owe you an apology. He, he goes, no, 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 no. I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been critical and judgmental of you. He says, oh no, you haven't. <laughs> I said, oh yes, I have. <laughs> and I said, I'm so wrong. I didn't say I'm critical of you because of all you did to me and give him a laundry list. Okay? I just said, I have been so wrong. Okay? Because I'm going there because I need to be free. If he, if he makes it right, great. And as much as possible, live peaceably with all men. I was doing as much as possible within me. So I go, I'm so sorry. Well, you know what that did when I said I'm sorry? It opened him up. And he started pouring out his frustration with me, which was valid. And you know what happened after an hour? We came together like that and we've been together like that ever since. And you know, I looked at my wife a few, a few days later and I said, you know, when I met that man, he could do no wrong in my eyes. And I loved him. I said, that's immature love. I said, then I saw his faults. His faults were directed at me. I didn't love him anymore. That's immature love. I said, now I still see his faults, but I love him with the intensity of when I first met him. I said, Lisa, that's gotta be the love of God because the love of God covers the multitude of sins. <laughs> my, my life, my family, our ministry changed from that day forward. We often, Lisa and I go back to that very weekday that I walked in his office and say that's when it all changed for us. Incredible. Jesus says in Luke 17:1, it is impossible. Look at this. This is crazy. That no offenses should come. In other words, what he's saying is if you breathe air, you will have the opportunity to be offended. But what you do with the offense determines your future. Either you become stronger or you become bitter. Yeah. Amen. Good preaching. Thank you very much. Okay. <clears throat> Now the Greek word for offense there is the Greek word scandalon it's an ancient Greek word that was actually originally used to describe the bait stick of a trap that hunters would use to catch small animals and birds in then the hunter would put the bait on the scandalon the animal would take the bait and actually either be captured or killed thereby an offense is the bait of satan to pull you the believer into his captivity Paul confirms this with Timothy. He said, those who are in opposition with one another are taken captive by Satan to do Satan's will. <laughs> That's scary. A man I really respect had a very vivid vision of the church in the last days. And he saw an army of demonic powers marching against the church. And he said, as the army got closer, he knows the Christ. This is crazy. He noticed the Christians were on the backs of the demons because they were offended. Excuse me, I'm saying it all wrong. The demons were on the backs of Christians, riding the Christians because they were taken captive of Satan. I mean, that's... So, so instead of releasing... Rivers of living water, they were releasing rivers tainted with bitterness. I can tell you this, I was one of those and I don't want anyone in here to ever be taken captive like I was captive. I was tormented. My thoughts were tormented. I did not live in the peace that God has called us to live in. And here I thought I was getting even by withholding my affection, when in reality, I imprisoned myself. I'll end it with this and we'll, we'll have a call. I was getting ready to speak in a conference. Auditorium was packed. Before I spoke, the guy gets up. And Alec, I don't have the book, do you have it? And uh, the, guy, the guy is weeping. He's 36 years old, okay? This guy's 36 years old. He's weeping. And, 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 and I'm telling you, he was a rough looking dude. He doesn't look like the crying type, but he's weeping. He said, all my life I've been in church. And he said, there's been a wall between me and God. And he said, I have tried to remove that wall, but he said, truth be told, that wall just wouldn't be removed. And he said, then somebody put in my hands the book, The Bait of Satan, which is the book I've been speaking to you about this morning. And he said, I read this book just throw it at me. He said, I read this book in two days. And he said, I realized I held unforgiveness against my mother. He said, my mother gave me away when I was six weeks old. He said, so I contacted my mother, talked to her for the second time in 36 years. He said, Mom, I've hated you for 36 years for giving me away. I've refused to forgive you. She started crying. She said, I've hated myself for 36 years for giving you away. He forgave her, she forgave herself. Now, this is where the story gets good. Now, now the man's bawling, where his tears are falling off his beard onto his shirt. And he said, now the wall's gone. He said, I cry like this every time I pray in the morning. I cry like this every time I come into worship. He said, there's no wall between me and God anymore. So what was what was done to you may be wrong, but two wrongs in God's eyes never make a right. The sin that was done to you is not justified, excuse me, your sin of holding unforgiveness offense is not justified by the sin that was done to you because two wrongs never make a right. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father in Jesus' name in all campuses, thank you guys. Thank you for speaking to us. Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful that you opened my eyes. I thought my eyes were open, but you opened them. And I was released from a terrible prison. I'm asking that you do that this morning. I want everyone to experience the freedom of forgiveness that only Jesus can provide. If you're in here this morning and You say, wow, I've always focused on the wrong that was done to me. I didn't realize that I've sinned against God by harboring an offense. And I realized this morning, I've sinned against God by refusing to forgive. If that's you, why don't you just slip your hand up in the air. I want to pray for you. All campuses. Wow, look at all the hands. Wow. Okay, if your hands in the air, just quietly stand up at your seat. I want to just, I want us to pray together In all the campuses just stand. If you're sitting and you know, you, you know, that, you know, it's there. Why are you still sitting? Can you ask yourself that? Why, why, why are you, is it really worth it to hang on to that offense? More people are standing, thank you. Yes, yes sir, thank you. You were worth the wait, man. Yes sir, thank you, you were worth the wait. Thank you, ma'am. I wanna make sure nobody's missed. Is there anyone else? I know on our campuses, yes sir, thank you, you were worth the. yes sir, thank you. Yes ma'am. It's okay, I mean, you guys are worth the wait. I know this is happening in all of our campuses. Yes, ma'am, thank you. I just feel like there's one or two more. Yes, ma'am, thank you for standing up. Anyone else? I, you're worth waiting for. Yes, ma'am, thank you so much for standing up. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. Oh, I'm getting a release now. Yes, ma'am, thank you. I want to make sure no one's missed. This is a safe environment. Yes, sir thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. I feel released to pray. Yes, sir. Thank you. Probably looking at 75% of the people standing right now. I want you to pray this with me. All our campuses say this father in heaven, say it out loud father in heaven. Thank you for speaking to me through your servant. I realize that I've sinned against you. By harboring this offense, by refusing to forgive. And I repent of that. And I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. From my heart, I choose to forgive. I want you to whisper their name. If it's your mom, your dad, an uncle, pastor, friend, next, That's it, just release them. I want you to whisper their name and say this out loud in a whisper. I'm gonna give you an example. Mom, I forgive you. I release you. Just whisper that. Boy, there's the presence of God right there. Wow. There's his presence right there. And I command freedom. I command freedom to you now. I command the demonic tormentors to leave you. You have no right. But I command you to go. I break the chains and the fetters that you've established in this person's life. And I speak freedom to them now now father i ask that you would shed abroad your love shed abroad your love there's this presence right there in their hearts fill us with the love of god in jesus name in jesus name Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't want to miss any of it, I would encourage you go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org, to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.